In episode four of The Voice of Healthcare, we interview Kathy Pearl, VP of User Experience for Sensely, a company that's revolutionizing healthcare by bringing it into the home. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome back to episode four of The Voice of Healthcare. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matt Sabolsky. Matt, say hello. Hello, everyone. Glad everyone's back listening to us, and we're really excited about today's show. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Our guest today is Kathy Pearl. Kathy, say hello. Hello. Kathy, thank you very, very much for joining us and and setting some of your time aside. Uh, We greatly appreciate that. Sure. Um, Thanks very much for having me today. So the company, uh, my company is called Sensely, and I'm the vice president of user experience. And the main purpose of Sensely is to help people engage better with their own health. We have a mobile app with an avatar, a virtual nurse, and the avatar helps people with chronic health conditions, um, general health, and there's a whole lot of ways we think that the avatar is more engaging than just a, a regular push button app. And we think that helps people um, take care of themselves better. You have a tremendous amount of experience in voice, voice user interface uh, design. How did you get into it? What made you interested in learning about that and having a career along those lines? Well, it kind of started a long time ago. Um, When I was about 10, um, our family had a Commodore VIC-20, which is showing my age. But uh, I have been interested in getting the computer to talk back to me since then. Um, And I wrote a very primitive chatbot, which... Even though it had very limited responses, and of course I knew everything it was going to say because I had programmed it, I still was just, I got a real thrill anytime I typed something like, how are you? And it responded back to me. So I've always been fascinated by the concept, but of course back then there was no such thing as voice user interfaces or a career in that. Um, Fast forward to college, I went to UC San Diego where I discovered cognitive science, which was a great major, great combination of things like neuroscience, linguistics, psychology, artificial intelligence, which turned out to be a great background for voice user interface design, although I didn't know it at the time. Um, Fast forward again to grad school, and I took my first human-computer interaction class, which kind of blew my mind. This whole idea of designing, uh, not just designing new features and new software that perform things, but designing for the way people would actually understand how to use it and use it naturally. Um, I had moved back to California after school. I was um, working on writing software for machine, human-machine interaction for uh, helicopter pilot simulators. And I saw an ad for a company called Nuance, which was a speech recognition company. And at the time, I thought, well, that stuff doesn't work. But they had a demo line you could call on the phone. And I called that up, and they had a very simple demo where you could pretend to move money from your savings account to your checking account. And I was absolutely amazed that the technology worked. And I went and worked at Nuance for eight years where I learned how to design um, IVRs, phone systems. For people who are listening to this podcast who are interested uh, in getting into voice um, design, getting into different aspects of creating voice experiences, what do you think is the, what's the most important thing that 
students uh, or people looking to transition careers can go and learn? What, what are the most important skills that someone needs to bring to the table? I think one of the most important skills is what I would call conversational principles. And there's not exactly a college major for that. But mm. things like psychology uh, definitely play into it. Um, it's really about paying attention to how people speak to each other. What are these basic principles that we all learn at a very young age? And then the second part of it is really understanding the constraints of the technology. So understanding how do people communicate and then taking that and applying it to in a real-world way, knowing that you can't do everything yet, even though speech recognition technology has has gotten tremendously better, um, but understanding how to put that into today's technology. Interesting. Let me ask you, let me transition a little bit into uh, asking about Sensely. So... The tagline is the future of healthcare because it's time for the doctor to come to you. Uh, I'm really fascinated by that. I think that uh, anybody would be. How does Sensely work? So, does Sensely approach hospitals and partner with them? Do, do they, does Sensely approach insurers and partner with them? What is the what's the the business model for the company? Yeah, basically, you you said a lot of it. Um, We definitely work closely with hospitals, clinics, and insurance companies. Uh, We also work closely in the UK with the National Health Service, um, you know, the the health service there. And so we are not currently going directly to consumers, but we work through a clinic, a hospital, um, a doctor practice, that kind of thing, to have them um, invite their patients to use our app within uh, the constraints of whatever uh, health issue or uh, strategy they'd like to use. With voice technology, there is the sense that it's arrived. This has been a decade or two or longer in the making. And uh, thanks to many different things happening, including big tech companies doing the necessary marketing, uh, the technology has simply improved. The general sentiment is that voice technology is not going anywhere. It's here, and it's here to stay. But I think voice in healthcare, it's not as clear. And perhaps it's here to stay. And if it's good enough, it's here to stay. Do you feel like the time is right uh, just as much for voice in healthcare right now as it is for just voice in the general population? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Although there's been a lot of hype that I think isn't necessarily true about about speech recognition, you know, there's claims that it's 97% accurate and things like that. There's also, of course, the natural language component. Maybe the recognition is really good, but you still have to determine what someone's actually saying. But I think it's a wonderful time to apply it to healthcare. And I love seeing a lot of creative solutions out there that are starting to happen. For example, I saw recently an assisted living um, place was using the Amazon Echo to help its residents, and they were setting up really interesting skills, like you could say, Alexa, tell me messages from my family, and it would read out messages that people could leave um, for their, let's say, their grandparent, and the person can also send their own messages out, Um, you know, send a message to Kathy to have her call me. I think there are so many ways like that, that especially with our older community who maybe aren't interested in using really complicated apps or fitness trackers or things like that, but if you use voice, and this is what we found at Sensely, the first thing that um, one of our avatars, Molly, will say to, some, to the patient in certain cases is, how are you today? You know, that's the beginning of a conversation. It's not get on the scale or press this button <laughs> or whatever. 
And we were wondering, you know, with some of our older patients who may be in their 70s or even 80s, how are they going to deal with this avatar? You know, are they going to be able to use this app? And what we found is that overwhelmingly, if you design well and you use the basic principles of conversational design, everybody gets it. It's not hard for people to know what to do. They just say, I'm fine or I'm stressed or whatever it is. And and we just go ahead and move on. And it's just a great way to get people into some of these um, helpful areas of technology through voice. Have patients been interacting with Sensely before the avatar was available? And do you see a marked difference between just the voice interaction and the voice interaction with an avatar? Um, When you think about you know, cognitive processing and facial processing when it comes to communication. Sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it. I have a gut feeling that perhaps the avatar adds an element that is statistically significant than just voice alone. But what has been your experience with uh, the interactions from patients there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Sensely app has always had the avatar, but research has shown, like there's some great research out of USC, comparing um, people answering questions in an app to just, you know, no avatar, a still picture or, or an avatar. And people were much more willing to answer more questions, for example, when it was with an avatar rather than just a, a list of, of questions. And we've found a similar thing um, ourselves, which is that people start to get very engaged with the avatar and they get a bit attached to the avatar, um, going so far as sometimes they'll apologize Wow. to Molly when they miss their daily check-in. That's actually a good sign. Yeah, exactly. And they'll start yeah. saying, you know, have a good weekend. There was one patient who insisted on taking um, her whole setup, her scale, her blood pressure cuff on a cruise huh. because she wanted to talk to Molly every day, even though the doctor said, you don't have to do that. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> and so we, we feel that, um, you know, as we know, voice adds an element of intimacy and engagement, but the avatar on top of the voice for something like this where we're trying to encourage someone to do something, let's say, on a daily basis, makes it even more engaging and more likely that they will continue to do this thing. Yeah, that's fascinating. When it comes to getting people to make action and influencing and persuading them, the idea that what you're telling us is that you've created an emotional connection, uh, a bond between the patient and the avatar is really telling about the success of these technologies and specifically Sensely. Now, I was at a talk at UAB Medical School the last two days discussing this very, these, this very topic of how do you work with a population of people and how do you work with patients when they're the 5,000 hours out of the year they're not in a clinic, especially when you look at current statistics of providers coming out of school compared to the amount of patients that are needed. Uh, Bradley asked a question earlier, and I think, Kathy, you responded that, no, you, you do think it's here to stay. Well, from a pragmatic perspective, That's absolutely the case. It has to be. So, Kathy, as you see the evolution of these technologies continue with uh, ostensibly a shortage of practitioners, where does Sensely go when you get to a deeper place of of clinical involvement and emotional connection with a patient? Where is the next version? What's the next step here? We are definitely not out to replace any clinicians, any nurses, any doctors. Our whole main mission is to assist with this huge gap we have. I mean, if you've got somebody with chronic heart failure, you can't have someone come visit them every day or even call them every day necessarily to check in on them. So Sensely makes this bridge between the patient and the clinician. So for example, in this chronic heart failure case, um, every day the avatar asks the patient to take their weight and blood pressure with a Bluetooth enabled 
uh, scale and cuff and answer some questions. And this information is triaged and based on the responses and the values, we might send an alert to their nurse or their doctor. And so as the clinician, you're checking in on your patients via a dashboard that we have. And you might see, oh, uh, Ms. Pearl has a rapid weight gain, which for chronic heart failure can be a sign that maybe your medication needs to be adjusted. And so then the, the nurse could make a phone call to, to me and, and ask me to, you know, how I'm doing and things like that. And basically it triages, you know, if, you've, if you're monitoring a thousand patients, you can't check up on all of them. So Sensely makes that bridge where it's like, no, no, just concentrate on these 10 patients today because these are the ones who need a little assistance. And so um, it really is is filling in what we know is, is an issue, which is we just don't have enough people to do all the health care that's needed, really try to, to fill that gap. It sounds like there's a portal that me as a provider would use to get in to review patient interaction with Sensely, or, and or do you have integration into uh, major EMRs like McKesson, Cerner, uh, uh, Epic, et cetera? Yes, yeah, so both. So we have the, the clinician portal, which is a Sensely portal, but we also do integrate with several large uh, medical record providers. Uh, is there a sense from some practitioners of a feeling of being threatened by this kind of technology and or replaced because of things like IBM Watson and the processing and, and AI with medicine? Or do they see it more like a tool to really expand their uh, effect over a population? Well, it's interesting because we've we've kind of learned some lessons in the healthcare industry where when we go in and we introduce uh, the program to a clinical group or things like that, we do have to introduce it in sort of a cautious way in the sense that we need to build the trust of especially, let's say, the nurse who's, you know, the nurse is on the one on the ground, the one interacting with patients on a daily basis. And they might be a little suspicious at first, not necessarily if they're being replaced, but maybe it's like, is this going to be extra work for me? Why do I need to do this? I'm doing, you know, I already have a system. And so we're cognizant of that. And so when we introduce the tool and introduce the process, we make sure to say, look, you know, give it a try, see what it's like. And what happens is over time, they realize what the value is and that it's not a replacement. It's not adding extra work. It's hopefully streamlining their work. Um, But we understand that we can't just throw it at them and be like, here, use this. You know, you have to say, well, this is why it's going to be useful to you. This is what other people have said about it and realize there, there may be sort of a ramp up time where the trust has to be built, um, in that, in the medical community. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. I think that there has to be a trust that these things are useful and good. I mean, practitioners have an amazing sense of responsibility for the care they deliver. Most of them, a healthy, well-trained practitioner, nurse, physician, whoever will. Um, and I often wonder, you know, walking through hallways of medical schools across the country, uh, is there going to be a section in the future of medical training uh, and nursing training and other technical skill sets where voice language processing tools are taught to them on a day-to-day basis and what that might look like? Perhaps, although my dream is that if we're using voice, people won't have to have so much training because it will be more obvious on what to do. <laughs> That's true. A little bit of a segue here. Uh, I was in a talk recently at a consulting firm in Tennessee, and he was telling the crowd uh, and actually lamenting uh, Medicaid populations and, quote-unquote, those people and how they need to be a lot more accountable for their health care and how they're not, and they're costing us all this money. Kathy, you have studied human behavior, and you actually work with a product that touches human behavior. When you hear that from somebody and they say, we need more carrots or we need more sticks to make people, quote-unquote, accountable, when you look at that in terms of something like Sensely and population health management, what comes to mind? How would you answer that? 
in a more substantive and academically and maybe scientifically correct manner? I, I just think it's more complicated than that. I mean, people people understand. You know, we all know I should uh, eat better. I should exercise more. It's not it's not a mystery. But why don't we? Because we're human. And there's so much about you know, like that book Nudge, where to really change behavior, you can't just tell someone what to do. Because we we all know this. Using tools like Sensely, where we're not trying to fool anyone into thinking they're actually talking to a human or anything like that. Um, we're just saying, look, here's a, here's a way to get the things done that you know you need to do, but maybe you don't want to do. No one wants to wake up every morning and take their blood pressure and their weight and answer the same five questions about do they have shortness of breath, things like that. But if you give them a little bit of help, you make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting. It's a little nicer to talk to Molly, let's say, than just write it on a piece of paper and email your doctor later. Um, and we try to take away as much um, of the effort as possible, like rather than having to write it down and email your doctor... Molly automatically reads the weight from the Bluetooth scale and sends it off. So trying to remove even the smallest barriers, um, just, you know, little things like you put your running clothes out the night before. So when you get up in the morning, you put them on first thing, you're more likely to go for your run. There's all those little things like that, that sure, I could tell myself to go for a run anyway, but if I put my shoes out, I'm going to be just a little bit more likely to do it. So why not take advantage of those types of nudges and just help people help themselves? Right. I think it's a myopic and artificial position to say it's enough just to tell someone that you're not going to be healthy if you don't do X or we're going to withdraw your benefits if you don't eat right. Um, what you describe is setting up a system of peop- uh, around people to guide human behavior. I mean, humans, uh, you know, we, we respond to reciprocity and we also kind of abide by this, uh, this universal law of least effort. Uh, if we can create a game, we can create a system, we can create a prompt with something like Sensely or even an emotional connection, which um, voice definitely allows us to do that. If you look at our evolution as people and tones and viewing others and facial expressions and how we bond to others, um, that's the real answer in my mind about how you help people help themselves or at least create a system around them that doesn't, help, that doesn't cause them harm. Um, Sensely is doing that now. Can you give us a sense of some of the features that you really like with Sensely as far as setting up a system around people to help them live better, healthier lives and and, uh, work with their practitioners to do so? Yeah, so I think there's a few elements. Um, one of the one is the fact that you can use the app at any time. So anytime you want to talk to Molly or one of our other avatars, all you have to do is pull out your your smartphone or tablet. You don't have to have you know office hours and things like that. Um, you can share information uh, even with your doctor that way. So you can sort of in a way leave a message for the doctor via Molly by telling her this is what my new symptom is, and she'll say okay, I'll pass that on to the doctor. Um, and the other part of it is just, we have, for example, something called a symptom checker, which let's say you have back pain and you're wondering, what should I do? Should I go to the doctor? You know, how serious is it? And we have an algorithm that guides uh, the patient through a series of questions to decide what to do. And you might say, well, why not? What's the difference between doing that and Googling it? The feedback we get is that people say, well, you know, when I Google it, I just get a million responses back. It tells me I'm going to, you know, it's probably cancer. It's, it's always the worst thing. And the nice thing about using Sensely is that it's more guided. And so rather than um, just this flood of information, like what do I do with that, it narrows it down to your more specific case by going through this conversation the questions that are necessary to find out, you know, what you should do. And that can be a little bit less stressful, for example, for people, because 
by the end, they think, okay, this is specific to me. This isn't just some, me Googling something and trying to figure it out on my own. This is tailored to me, and I'm going to trust a little more about what I should do next. It's funny that you would mention Google um, because it, it makes me recall my, my brother has a two-year-old. That two-year-old started walking with a limp one day. This was fairly recent. And, uh, and so I just happened to Google. I was on the road traveling and had heard uh, that this was happening. And so I Googled two-year-old limp. <laughs> and uh, you just immediately get fr- confronted with a lot of different pretty negative um, mm-hmm. <laughs> possibilities. It's scary, yeah. Yeah, and so I understand uh, the re- the uh, reluctance, uh, the, the sentiment out there to move away from that. Let me ask you a question about your technology, Kathy. Uh, so you've got you've got the app as it is now that lives in the smartphone and tablet world, but really, to me, something like what y'all are doing is it's so perfect for something like the Echo Show. Is that something that you're looking at, or are, do you, uh, based on different healthcare, perhaps related reasons, uh, need to stay on the smartphone? We are definitely looking into that. I, I made a, a demo skill, in fact, that simulates our daily check-in uh, on my Amazon Echo. But the Amazon Echo is not currently HIPAA compliant, um, okay. so there's some issues there. On the other hand, you can still do things. For example, we could do a handoff, so you could start with the app and set everything up, and then later um, your Amazon Echo could, for example, remind you, like, okay, it's time for your daily check-in, or maybe ask you a simple question, um, like how did you sleep last night or something like that. And I think there could be a real shared kind of uh, situation where you do some things on the smartphone, um, maybe that are longer conversations or things like that, and also use the either the Echo or the show. So it's definitely something we're looking into. The other aspect of that, too, is uh, news that has come out, and it's not really news yet, but uh, there's a lot of smoke around the um, impending new feature with the Echo ecosystem of being able to have all of your uh, speakers linked to one another. So you could have an Echo show in the kitchen, you could have a, a regular Echo in the bedroom, you could have an Echo tap uh, in the bathroom and you could have a dot in the basement and all of those know that the other ones are there. And, uh, this has been talked about and talked about. And apparently Amazon just finished testing of this a week or so ago, and it's about to be rolled out and it's being talked about in the context of audio, which is logical, but uh, in the realm of healthcare, man, you got a potential game changer there. Um, have you seen that? No, I haven't. I haven't heard about that. Yeah. So, uh, from the standpoint of Sensely or or uh, any voice assistant that aspires to help people be healthier, that's a really potentially interesting uh, new feature that they're uh, adding. You know, but, uh, Bradley also as a addenda to that there is some really fantastic technology they've got going on with their mics and i don't see it not being able to be implemented in other tools um that they're sensitive enough where they can um determine uh the flushing of a toilet or how many gallons of water went through a pipe um Mm -hmm. the kinds of bags you're opening whether the seal on the fridge has been broken at what dimes during the day when all the lights in the house have gone out all based on sound which gives a bunch of secondary data that someone like Sensely or other products could easily use and say, here's a really interesting host of behaviors that are probably occurring in that household. 
Kathy, we greatly appreciate you. Uh, greatly appreciate you joining us and setting your time aside and, and sharing your uh, experience with us, uh, your insights and your expertise. Yeah, my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks again, Kathy. That was wonderful. Really bright conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you. For The Voice of Healthcare, Episode 4, thank you for listening. And until next time.